does take time to be holy. Busyness does not necessarily equal spirituality. A person can get very busy in the work of the Lord and not spend time with the Lord. Good to see you in the house, Lord, this evening. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Can we looking at prayer? Something we need to remind ourselves of. Responsibility that we have of prayer. It is a prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. He said unto them, when ye pray, notice that when ye pray, this is not the Lord's prayer, this is the prayer that he told us how to pray. When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, he didn't need to say that because he was God. Uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. Again, he didn't have to say that either. He didn't have any. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and say, shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So, prayer. Um, probably something talked about a lot and not done as much as talked about. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. And I pray that you help us as we consider the subject tonight of prayer and as we consider our missions, uh, as we're preparing for the missions conference. And Father, help us to uh, develop and uh, to be active in praying, uh, seeking your face for our needs and for uh, interceding for others. So Father, just encourage us and challenge us. Uh, in this day of busyness, uh, to take time to seek your face. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you, I think it was um, uh, William Carey that said, when you pray, you get what, or when you work, you get what you can do. When you pray, you get what God can do. Some, uh, a definition of prayer is to ask with earnestness or zeal as of a favor or something desirable. Uh, in worship, it means to address the supreme being, to address God, with solemnity, reverence, adoration, confession of sins, supplication for mercy, and thanksgiving for blessings received. That was come out of Webster's 1828, I believe. But anyway... So prayer, 
you know, something that we need to, it, it, that is worship, but it also is work. I remember wife and I, we weren't, I don't think we were married too long. I don't know if we had children yet or not. I can't remember. But anyway, we were on visitation one night, and we were going door to door in this area, and we stopped at this place. Uh, it was a, uh, <clears throat> a retired couple that knew the Lord, and we got talking, and he said, he said, I'm, I'm working at becoming a prayer warrior. And he said, I'm telling you, it's work. It's work. Um, you know, Jesus, the Bible says, he toiled all night in prayer. You know, toil, again, the word toil gives you the idea of labor, of work. It is work. It requires discipline. But as we think about prayer tonight, there's several things I want to notice in this passage. First of all, it is, of course, approaching or worshiping God, and, and we must come to him with reverence, with reverence. Uh, you know, uh, giving, the word reverence means fear, to fear, uh, to respect, to give deference to. Uh, prayer is not demanding or commanding God, it's asking. We don't, we don't tell God what he, what he needs to do. No, he is a supreme being. He is God. He's our creator. We ought to, we are to come to him in worship, uh, you know, in submission to him. You know, many times in the Bible when, when you see, when, when it's talked about people praying, uh, positions are significant. Act oftentimes, they kneel. talks about them kneeling or bowing. For example, in 2 Chronicles 6.13, when Solomon had made the brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high, and it set it in the midst of the court, and upon it he stood and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. So he kneeled down and then spread forth his hands. Uh, Daniel, of course, we know Daniel was a man of prayer consistently. Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Mark ten seventeen, uh, it says, And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Of course, this is a rich young ruler. And asked him, Good master, what shall I do to that I may inherit eternal life? Now, he wasn't praying, but what he was doing was he was really uh, showing reverence to the Lord. Now, it was kind of feigned. Because he really did, he didn't really bow his heart to the Lord, but he was showing reverence to the Lord, and when he kneeled, in uh, Luke twenty two forty one, and Jesus when he was praying in the garden says when he was withdrawn from them by the stones cast he kneeled down and prayed, in Acts nine forty Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said Tabitha arise, uh, in Acts twenty thirty six when Paul met with the uh, uh, the Ephesian elders, it says, and when he had accomplished those days, or I'm sorry, when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And then in Acts 21, 5, uh, he, he, when he accomplished those days, we departed, went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Now, what does it mean? What's significant about kneeling before God? 
Well, somebody has said, number one, it acknowledges the lordship of Christ. Uh, Kneeling before God provides a visual image of submission to his authority. It's a visual image. Uh, and, And you think about it. One day, every knee is going to do what? It's going to bow. Every knee is going to bow. Philippians 2, 11 tells us. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So it acknowledges the lordship of Christ when we when before him. It is a sign of earnest appeal. You know, King Solomon, when he asked God to bless the temple and the people of God, he knelt down and prayed. Elijah, when he was... When he was uh, 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 praying to the Lord to send rain after three and a half years, it says he kneeled. It, it, you know, as, of course, James tells us the, or the he, he prayed earnestly. Uh, so it's a sign of earnest appeal. It's also a sign of personal humility. The psalmist, uh, the psalmist said, O come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the, the Lord, our Maker. So, so it signifies reverence or, and, and of course, uh, submission uh, to the Lordship of Christ uh, uh, in earnestness. Of course, bowing, one of the, you know, the, the Bible also talks about bowing in different places. And bowing is a sign of reverence. You know, if you were to bow to somebody, you're giving reverence to them. To, you know, we're not to bow to man. In fact, there's nowhere in the Bible that... that, that uh, uh, you know, when, when men bowed to, to angels, they always said, stand up. Uh, but when you know, they did bow to Jesus. So we are to bow before him. Psalm 89, 7 speaks you know, that God is uh, great to be feared and had in reverence of all them that are about him. Uh, it's an expression of worship. You know, in, Roman, in Revelation 4 and 5, we saw the 24 elders. When they were around the throne, they, they, they bowed before the Lord on his throne. And so there is, you know, we are to reverence, we are to bow, we ought to kneel before him. It Realize that God's way, you know, his way is perfect. He is our creator. His name is hallowed. Uh, he is the great almighty God. We, we need to come before him with reverence and respect. He's not the man upstairs. No, he is God. He's God. Second, we need to come to him in confession of our sin. <clears throat> in verse 4, he says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Of course, First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the word confess there means agree with. It means to agree with. We need to agree with God about our sin. That we call it what he calls it. You know, the world likes to water down what sin is, but we need to agree with God as to what, what it is. It is sin. You know, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And the word regard there means to look or to think on with a feeling of respect. So if there are things that I'm looking on or giving respect to or I'm thinking about giving respect to, I'm regarding in my heart that aren't right before God, that's iniquity, God's not going to hear me. God's not going to hear me. Uh, 
you know, some, some illustrations of this in, in Acts, or Exodus chapter 9, verse 21. It says that he that regardeth not the word of the Lord left his cattle and his servants in the field. And this was when the Lord sent the hail, remember, and destroyed, destroyed everything, destroyed the beasts and, and everything. And, 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 and he, he, even of the Egyptians, he that regardeth not. In other words, he that paid no respect. He didn't pay respect to the word of the Lord. He paid respect to himself himself and so you know they regarded themselves and not the lord they gave respect to themselves and not the lord and so their their uh cattle and their servants were destroyed psalm 28 verse 5 says because they rework, regard not the works of the lord in other words they don't show respect for or think on with feelings of respect uh, nor the operation's hand, he shall destroy them and not build them up. And then again, Psalm 31, verse 6, it says, I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. You know, there are a lot of people that give respect to lies. Lying vanities. That's regarding iniquity. And and so, uh, when there needs to be a con- confession of sin. You know, you know, the Lord said, you know, forgive us sins. We also, of course, we have to forgive those that sinned against us. That's part of it. Uh, if we, in fact, go to Matthew. Matthew, uh, this makes this, this, this a little bit clearer. Um, I think it's Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Yeah, Matthew chapter 6, in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you, you forgive your trespasses. So if we're unwilling to forgive others, remember the, 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 the story that Jesus told about the the, the man who owed uh, uh, had a had a debt and he and and the guy demanded him pay his debt and he said I, I can't I can't and he said he fell down before him and said have mercy on me and give me some time and I will pay thee all and and he was merciful to him and he gave him time and that same man when I turned around went out and and grabbed somebody that owed him a, him money had, had was indebted to him and said pay me all or i'll throw you into the jail he he begged for mercy and he would not give him mercy and the lord said when the first man found out what the second one did to the third man he cast him into the into the jail until he paid the very last cent yeah, if we don't forgive men their trespasses against us, God won't forgive us ours. And so there has to be a confession of sin. There needs to be supplication. Verses 8 through 10, it says, And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be open. It's 
I believe is speaking about earnestness or sincerity. The word importunity uh, means shamelessness with shamelessness impudent impudence. In other words, unashamed to beseech the Lord. There's a there's a lack of modesty. It's kind of the idea of a lack of modesty. You, you know, when a person is when we say, well, you're just too modest. They don't want to ask for something that, that, that you know, really they maybe should have, and, but they don't want to ask for it. Well, they're just too modest or pride. No. God says, come boldly on the throne of grace. We should not be ashamed to go to God for the things we need. It delights him. It delights him when we come to God for what we need. He delights in hearing our prayers. He delights in meeting our needs. He delights to hear our requests. It shows that we trust him and we do reverence him and, 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 and we are dependent upon him. So we need to come to him with earnest, earnestness. Uh, Hannah, Hannah, when she prayed, she was earnest in her prayer, an earnestness that was seen. You know, Eli, Eli realized that this, this woman was in earnest. You know, she was in sorrow of heart. She was earnest about it. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's the idea here, to come with earnestness, sincerity, without, you know, not, not holding back or, well, I, I, I don't want to bot. I remember my dad saying one time in one of the Sunday school classes in church where he used to go to the Mennonite church uh, that one of, the, one of the men said that he didn't believe God, God was interested in our little things. Yeah, God is interested in everything about us. We shouldn't be ashamed to come to him for everything. Because he delights. Again, he delights. You see, this man, because he was a friend. Now, if he would have been a stranger, he would not have had the boldness to go and ask for bread at this time of the night. But because he's his friend, he wasn't ashamed to ask something unusual at an unusual hour of the night. To inconvenience him, you might say. By the way, God's not inconvenienced. But, you know, that's the idea here. He was not ashamed because he was his friend. And God is our friend that desires that we come to him with all of our needs. You know, that's why Hebrews 4.16 4, says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. So we're to come unashamedly unashamedly, sincerely, with earnestness. Um, you know, he desires to hear our, our supplications, the things that we need, the things that are close to our heart. He desires to hear them. He desires to meet those needs. And then thirdly, we need to come to him whole, with, a whole, with our whole heart. With our whole heart. Uh, and again, this, this is similar, but a little bit different. 
come with him with the whole heart. In Psalm 119, verse 2, there's quite a few verses actually in Psalm 119. But Psalm 119, starting verse 2, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Verse 34, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. And then verse 69, he says, The proud of force lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. You know, God wants us to be whole-hearted. He wants us to be all in. Like they would say, you know, if they were getting ready to have a fight, how do you want it? No holds barred. In other words, anything goes and everything goes. You see, God wants us to come before him with everything. It's on our heart. You know, the rich young ruler was earnest, but he was not with his whole heart. His heart was not surrendered to the Lord. He hadn't surrendered. Oh, he was earnest. He wanted to have eternal life. But you see, he wasn't wholehearted in it. Because there was, just, there was something that he had to give up, which was his money, or the Lord asked of him to give up his trust in riches. He couldn't do that. He wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't wholehearted, you see. You know, God wants us to be wholehearted. Uh you know, does, you know, the question we need to ask ourselves, does God have our heart? Jeremiah 29, 13. Ye shall seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. You know, the problem with the, the children of Israel at this time is they, they would vacillate back and forth. You know, Jeremiah told them, you need to, you need to let your... You know, they, were, they were bringing their, their brethren into bonding, making slaves and servants out of them. And, and Jeremiah said, you need, to, you need to set them free, like... The year of Jubilee commands and, and, you know, like the law commands. And so they'd set them free and then turn around and take them back. Back into bondage. They were vacillating. They weren't wholehearted. You know, the children of Israel in the wilderness, many of them would go from back and forth. But Caleb was wholehearted. He wholly followed the Lord his God. You know, God desires that we be wholehearted. Wholehearted. Um, you know, and this, this is, of course, this is a constant struggle. You know, we could even look at Elijah. We'd say Elijah was wholehearted until Jezebel got after him. And then he kind of like, oh, yeah, had himself a pity party. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so so God wants us to be Wholehearted. We need to seek Him with the whole heart. With the whole heart. Uh, we, need to, we need to, of course, pray in faith. We need to pray in faith. And, of course, you know, verses 8 through 10, again, He says, you know, uh, verse 9 and 10, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, notice, it shall be opened. You know, we're talking about a prayer of faith. You know, Hebrews eleven six says, 
uh, without faith it is possible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we need to, we need to pray in faith. By the way, if you go to God in prayer, you're giving some evidence of faith. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother. You know, that's some evidence of faith. But we need to believe that God will do what he says he will do in his word. That he will accomplish that which he has said. Uh, in Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 22 through 24, says, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he, shall, he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So he says you need to pray in faith. Now, I don't believe here he's talking here that we need to, if we would really believe, you know, we could pray to this mountain and see the mountain moved. Um, a mountain speaks of an obstacle. And, and, and you know, like the barren fig tree here, Jesus, and that's, that's what he's using in the illustration. You know, he went looking for food on it, and, and he cursed it. And he's saying, you know, when you pray, believe. And you shall have. If there's something that's a genuine need in your life, and God has promised to meet your needs, you need to pray, believing that He will do it. If there's if there's if there's some obstacle that needs to be moved out of your life that is hindering the work of the Lord, I believe you need to pray and ask God to remove it. And I think He will. I believe He will. You know, we need to pray believing. Uh, uh, yeah, Elijah, again, prayed in faith. He believed what God said. He prayed according to the word of God. God said if, my, if, if his children would, would forsake him, he would send famine as a judgment. And Elijah prayed for no rain for three and a half years. And there was no rain for three and a half years. What was he doing? He was prayer was based upon the word of God. He was praying in faith. He was praying in faith. And so we need to pray. Ezra, in Ezra chapter 8, the Bible tells us there that he prayed. They prayed and fasted for three days, seeking a right way and protection for the way, because their God had promised to provide for them, and he was ashamed to ask of the king for soldiers in the way. Because he had told the king, our God will protect us. Because God says he will. And so they sought the Lord. And the Bible says he was entreated of them. What were they doing? They were praying in faith. They were claiming the promise that God had given to them. You know, when we pray, we need to claim the promises God has given to us. And he says... We shall have them. We shall have them. So we need to pray in faith. We need to pray in faith. In fact, James chapter 1 tells us, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, 
The Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven when the toss. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So again, he said you need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Believing that God will do what he says. You know, God doesn't, God does, isn't pleased when we doubt his word. And so we need to pray in faith. Pray in faith. And of course, you know, this, this kind of goes without saying, but we need to pray according to his will. If you notice in verse 2 of Luke chapter 11, Verse 2 it says, And he said unto them, When you pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. So when we pray, we need to pray according to God's will. According to God's will. Uh, and again, I mentioned this a little, this little while ago, but Elijah prayed according to God's will. God said that he would send famine as a judgment upon the nation because of their rejection and their turning away from him to try and bring them back to him. And, and so he prayed according to God's will that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And it didn't rain. But when it was time to rain, he prayed again and God gave rain. You see. So he prayed according to God's will. Uh, in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So this is the confidence we can have. If we ask anything that's according to his will. Okay, let me rephrase that. If we ask anything that God has promised in his word, what does God have to do? If he doesn't, he's a what? If he doesn't do it, he's a liar. You see, God promised to take the children of Israel into the land, out of the land of Egypt into the land of Canaan. And when Moses interceded for them, he reminded God of his promise. He wasn't telling God what to do, but he was reminding him of his promise. He was praying God's own words back to him. You know what that says about Moses? It meant that Moses believed what God said. You know, God delights. And you know, God allows. God allows us to be tested to see whether we will believe him or not. In fact, that's what he said about the children of Israel. He suffered them the hunger to prove them whether they would believe him or not. He promised to take care of them in the wilderness so why did they get all bent out of shape? Same reason we do, right? 
You see, see, if we ask anything according to his will, the Bible says, he heareth us. He heareth us. Psalm 34, 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and delivered him out of all his troubles. This poor man talks about the poor in spirit. You know, the thing we need to, we need to search our hearts about is, do we pray for God's will, or do we pray for what we want? That's something we need to think about. You know, James 4 3 says, You ask and you have not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. In other words, you ask for your own reasons, your own self. You're not asking for God's will to be done, you're asking for your will to be done. You're not asking for God to be glorified. You're asking for your own self to be advanced. You know, so, so do we, so we, we, we need to ask ourselves when we're praying, is this prayer for me or is this prayer to glorify God? I've asked people already, so why do you want to raise? So you can just have more stuff? Or is it to glorify God? You know, I believe God wants to bless us, but he wants us to bless to bless us so that we glorify him with it, because it is all his, and he's the one that gives us power to get wealth, and we're to use it for his glory. So, you know, we need, to, we need to pray according to his will. We need to delight in him and pray for his will. Even the Lord Jesus, you know, the Lord Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. That was obvious in the garden. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And yet there have been things in my life I didn't want to do. Places I really didn't want to go. We see it's not mine to direct. You know, the Lord's bought bought us. We belong to Him. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price, and we're to glorify God in our spirit, and our body, and our spirit, which are God's. So we need to we need to ask God, just like Saul or Paul did. Lord, what wilt Thou have me to do? Lord, what is Your will for me? And seek it, pray for it. And if we pray according to His will. His promise that we shall receive it. We shall receive it. Uh, so, you know, we need to seek Him. You know, come to Him with reverence. You know, confessing our sin to Him. Uh, not regarding iniquity in your hearts. You know, earnestly, sincerely, with our whole heart, believing that He will. He will keep his word. He will keep his word. And then praying according to his will. That his will be done. That his name be glorified in our life. In our lives as a church. That he would be glorified. And not us.
And so, you know, as we think about this, as we prepare for our missions conference, you know, it's one thing for certain that we can be certain of. It's like I told the people, uh, those who were on visitation on Saturday, what we're doing today is God's will. It's God's will. It's God's will for souls to be saved. You know, the other side of that is they have a choice to make. You know, whether people get saved or not is not really our responsibility. Our responsibility is to take the word of God to them and be faithful in giving it them. The Spirit of God has to work and draw them. You know, we are laborers together with God. It's not all about us. We're just the, we're just the messengers. But it is God's will. You know, it's God's will that we support missionaries. Acts chapter 1. If we're going to obey the if we're going to obey the great commandment, we, we have to support missionaries. It's our responsibility. It's, but it's also our privilege. You know, and it's not wrong to ask, Lord, prosper me so that I can give more. So that I can give more. Because you know, God wants us to give. He desires. He's pleased with our giving. But we need to be like those uh, Philippians who first gave themselves to the Lord. So we need to pray. We need to pray for God to work. We need to seek His face wholeheartedly, praying according to His will that He would be glorified in our lives as individuals and as a church. And as we earnestly, as we desire, are faithful in giving and praying for those who will go to, to help fulfill our responsibility to reach all the world uh, with the gospel. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement, the challenge that we receive from it. Father, I do pray that you'd help us to be people that would earnestly, uh, wholeheartedly seek your face uh, to to uh, pray and for your will to be accomplished and you to be glorified in and through us um, in, uh, uh, in, in, in our endeavors in everyday life and also as we uh, particularly focus on missions uh, this coming week. Uh, Lord, we just pray for your will be done in that as well and you be glorified in our giving as a church. And we'll just be careful to thank you and praise you if we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.